Speak to us now, Lord, we pray. Speak to our souls today, for this is why we've come, dear Lord. We're ready for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Heaven and earth will pass, but God, your word will forever last. We are ready for your word. Father, we pray that you would provide clarity of communication, both in what is said and what is heard, that ultimately what your people receive would be what you want them and what they stand in need of. We ask you to bless as only you can. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As is the custom, as is usually the case, when we get to the end of the year, there are many who look forward to putting behind them the previous year and look forward with great anticipation to the possibilities in the coming year. And if you're like most people in the world, 2019, good or bad, you are ready to put it behind you, and now let's move on into 2020 looking for even greater things. Some of you have already communicated to friends and family members that 2020 is going to be your year. You've been playing around for a while, but 2020, it's going to be different. Here's the question on the table. What do you need to do moving into 2020 to move from desire to actually getting something done. See, most of us, when we think about resolutions, resolutions are rooted in desire. They're rooted in dreams. But the problem is, for many people, those dreams and those desires never get done. So I've had this dream. I've had this desire to see our church maximize our potential. And I told you earlier, I was struggling. I was struggling because I knew I had the desire, but I didn't have a plan. I had no idea what I needed to do to make the steps that were necessary to get us to that next level. God answers that prayer. And I'm challenged. I mean, I am pushed. I'm forced to look at myself. Here's, Here's how it started. I said to our leaders, we are where we are as a church because of my leadership. We are where we are. I'm not boasting. I'm not bragging. I'm just stating a fact. Under my leadership, over the last 25 years, we've gone from five acres of land total to almost 13 acres of land. We've We've built a new family life center, 66,000 square feet. We've completely renovated this sanctuary. We, we have expanded our mission outreach so that now we are touching people's lives locally, nationally, and internationally. We feed thousands of people every month. I mean, God has blessed us. We have educated. We have visited the sick and those who are in prison. We have helped widows and orphans. I mean, God has blessed us tremendously over the last 25 years. But here's the flip side of that coin. We are where we are because of my leadership. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. What's the difference? Well, we are where we are, the good, because of my leadership. But we are where we are, the bad, because of my leadership. 
Because no organization will go higher than its leader. So the challenge for me now is to look at my life knowing that I have more days behind me than in front of me. To figure out how do I finish strong and what, God, do you want me to do in order to help our church become all that God wants it to be? And the Holy Spirit made it clear it starts with you. See, I'm, I'm looking at staff and I'm blaming situations and circumstances. I mean, I got all kinds of excuses. And, and God says, no, it starts with you. And, and what I am talking about, I experience personally regarding this church. I need you to experience it in terms of your own life and in your own home. See, there are many of you who are living far below where you should be. Now, comparatively to other people, you may be doing great. But that's only because you're comparing yourself to people who are doing worse than you are. Eighty-nine percent of churches in this country are 200 or less in size, which means we're in the top, 20, two, uh, top 10 percent. And when you look at churches with an average attendance of over 1,000 on a Sunday, that's the top 1 percent of churches. So we're doing better than 99 percent of churches. But the question is not are we doing better than somebody else when we compare ourselves. The question is are we maximizing our potential? Are we doing everything that God has called us to do? And my brothers and sisters, I want you to look at your own life to see if you are doing everything that God wants you to do. Today, for a few moments, I want to talk to you from the thought how to do what you've never done before. How to do what you've never done before. If you have your outlines, would you say amen? amen. For those of you who are streaming and those of you who are present, you can go to the I Am Hope app and download that app and on that app you can find a fill in the blank copy of our outline that you can fill in as we go along four things I want you to see very quickly that I believe will help you to get a little spur under your saddle to get a little catalyst to make the decision to make the move that you need to make in order to get where God wants you to be see there's somebody in here watch this you've been on the path but somehow you got off the path for somebody else, you need to get on the path. So whether you have been on the path or you need to get on the path, God wants you to make some changes in your life. Here's the first thing. Number one, you must be willing to do something different in order to achieve something new. You must be willing to do something different in order to achieve something new. Our foundational passage is Matthew chapter 14. And let me give you a quick overview of this chapter so you'll understand the context of the content that I want to share with you on today. Matthew chapter 14 begins by chronicling the death of John the Baptist, actually his murder. You will recall, if you're a Bible reader, that John the Baptist was the one who was the forerunner of Jesus. He was the one that preached the gospel, and he had a hard gospel that he preached because he called people out for how they were living and, and called the king out, Herod, for shacking and, and taking up his uh, new wife, Herodias, who was his, his family member's ex-wife, and there was a, just a whole lot of mess that was going on in that household. And Herod understood what John was saying and respected John for having the courage to speak the truth, but Herodias, his wife, 
had a problem with, Herod, with, with John. And she wanted John killed immediately. And Herod was like, man, I can't do that because that would cause all kinds of problems. So he threw John the Baptist in jail. And the Bible says that Herod was celebrating a, a very festive occasion. And he had his friends with him. And a young lady came in and danced by the name of Salome. That was Herodias' daughter. And she must have did some kind of dance, y'all, because Herod said to her, I'm going to give you up to half of the kingdom. Just tell me what you want up to half of the kingdom. And the Bible says, Salome goes back to her mama and says, what should I ask for? She can have up to half of the kingdom. Stay with me now. Half of the kingdom, she says to her mama, what should I ask for? And her mama says, ask for John the Baptist's head. And because Herod had made an oath and made a pledge, he couldn't go back on his word. So when she came and asked for the head of John the Baptist, he had to murder John the Baptist. And I just want to throw this in as a side note to somebody. Be careful. Make sure you don't dance your mama's dance. Yeah. Salome ended up with a dead head when she could have had up to half the kingdom. But because of her mother's issue being projected onto her life, she embraced her mama's pain instead of taking hold of her own potential. That's just a side note. You can take that for free. The Bible says then they shifted and Jesus in another part of town is feeding the 5,000, not counting the women and children. After he concludes feeding them, he's sending the multitude away, and the Bible says he makes his disciples, verse 22, get into the boat and go before him to the other side. When he had sent them away, he goes up into the mountain to pray, and the Bible says the boat that the disciples got into was on the way to the other side, and they find themselves in a storm. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. And the Bible says the storm is raging. They can't go back. They can't go forward. Jesus sees them in the storm, makes his way down to them, and he starts walking to them on the water. And the Bible says they see him. They're afraid that it's a ghost. They don't recognize Jesus in the storm. Don't ever get so focused on your storm that you can't see the Lord in your storm. They, they looked at Jesus in the storm and thought it was a ghost. And the Bible says they were afraid. And Jesus speaks to them and says, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And, and that phrase, it is I, ego ami, is a phrase that is translated in the Septuagint translation of the Hebrew scriptures. The Old Testament refers to the I am. It's the same phrase that was used by God in the Septuagint when Moses said, what is your name? What should I tell them? And God tells Moses in the Septuagint translation of the Hebrew scriptures, I am. Tell them I am has sent you. But, but here, here we go. Storm is raging. Jesus comes. They recognize Jesus. And, and I want you to see what happens. Verse 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. It's the fourth watch of the night. It's between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. 
So it's the darkest hour. The storm is raging. Man, the wind is blowing. And the Bible says when Peter hears the voice of Jesus, he says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come on the water. Now listen to me carefully. Who in their right mind volunteers to walk on water? Who asks to walk on water? Listen, if you're going to do what you've never done, if you're going to get where you've never been, or if you're going to get back to where you have been, you must be willing to think outside of conventional boundaries. You must be willing to do what you've never done before in order to experience what you've never experienced before. Um, if, if your grandmother was like my grandmother, when she would offer me something to eat, and I'd look at it and say, I don't want that. And she said, why? I, I, I don't like it. She said, you ever tasted it? I said, no, nah, I just don't like it. And she said, well, taste it first. Because you'd be surprised if you taste it, you just might like it. And, and more times than not, when I tasted something that she gave me to taste, I liked it, right? But I had to be willing to think outside of my conventional boundaries. Here's the challenge for some of us today. We don't want to do anything different, but we want a different result. And we think if we work harder and we try harder and we put forth more effort, that somehow we're going to get where God wants us to be when the key is not always working harder. For many of us, it's just working smarter. So I got to tell you, man, when I met with this leadership coach and he started walking me through some principles, I mean, it was like the scales came off of my eyes. I mean, it was like he released this monster like the cracking within me came out. I was like, oh, my God, I see this and I see where I have been missing this. And so what he taught me was effort is not enough if it's misplaced effort. Right? Uh, you can succumb a man or a woman with your thumb if you put it on the right pressure point. You got to be able to identify the pressure point. Most churches function by the seven last words of a church. You know what the seven last words of a dying church are? We've never done it that way before. Yeah. And, and I submit to you that while those are the seven last words of a dying church, those can also become the seven last words of a dying person, a dying house, a dying business. I've never done it that way before because we're not willing to look outside of our conventional boundaries. You must exhibit courage in following and obeying God, even when following God means you have to go to places that you normally wouldn't go and you have to do what you normally wouldn't do. Look at Isaiah 43, verse 19. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Here's the second thing. If you're going to do what you've never done before, number two, you must dare to believe God regardless of the response of others. You must dare to believe God regardless of the response of others. Verse 28, Peter answered him and said, Lord, 
If it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Verse 29, so he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. You can't get where God wants you to go unless you put yourself in God's hands. Now watch what happens. Jesus says, come. Based on the request that Peter made, he issues a command, come. And what's interesting is Peter's willingness to obey the command of the Lord came without him getting affirmation, confirmation, or participation from anybody else. Okay, let me see if I can make it plain. Peter was the only one willing to get out of the boat. Everybody else stayed in the boat. Jesus says, Peter, come on. And Peter gets out and walks on the water. Now, don't miss this. All the disciples heard the same teachings, saw the same things, experienced the same miracles, but only Peter had the holy boldness to step out and walk on water. Can I tell you the problem for many of us? As long as you are trying to satisfy both people, you will never walk on water. Matter of fact, let me go one step further. If you keep on seeking counsel from both people, you will never walk on. Can you imagine what the 11 said to Peter when he jumped out there? Oh, go on out there. There you go again. Go on out there with your bad self. Now, you know, some of us, we still think it's a ghost, but you're going to jump out there and go on and walk on the wall. Go on. I mean, I can see him talking to themselves. Fool Peter, there you go again, jumping out there. Right? And here's the problem. When you have water walking in you, you can't go to both people to get confirmation for the water walking that God wants you to do. The majority of will stay in the boat. Most folk will stay in the boat. Why? Because it's dry in the boat. It's safe in the boat. It doesn't require faith to be in the boat. So are you willing to walk out on your figurative water and walk to God? Man, when I met with this coach, he challenged me and it was like, hey, you got to change everything, brother. But guess what? You don't have to change people. All you got to do is change yourself. Because when you make the change in you, it's going to change them. Because the truth of the matter is the problem is not them. The problem is you. So when it comes to believing God, are you willing to believe God in spite of the storms, in spite of the circumstances, in spite of the situation, in spite of the absence of other people? Are you willing to trust God? So let me ask you a question. What's keeping you in the boat? Who's keeping you in the boat? What's making you run back to the boat? Are you concerned about what other people are saying and you fail to realize that all you are doing is listening to boat people chirping your ear? 
you must be willing to do what others won't do in order to get where God wants you to be. Look at Genesis 28, 15. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Let's read Psalm 28, verse 7 together. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exalts and with my song I give thanks to him. Here's the third thing. Number three, if you're going to do what you've never done before, you must stay determined to obey God even when your faith is challenged. You must be determined to obey God even when your faith is challenged. I want you to circle that word when. The question is not if your faith is going to be challenged. The question is what are you going to do in response when your faith is challenged? Look at what the text says, verse 29, so he said, come, and when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus, but when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Now watch this. The storm was raging when they were in the boat. The storm was raging when Jesus came to them on the water, and the storm was raging when Peter said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. The storm was raging when Peter started walking on the water. So why did he get afraid of what was happening around him when it was going on when he was talking to the Lord? problem was when he stopped focusing on the Lord he became afraid of what was going on around him instead of holding on to and obeying the command that was given to him L listen to me carefully no, I, don't, don't miss this Mo most of us are good fair weather Christians most of us are good, fair-weather saints. And when the sun is shining, we're good. The question is, will you be faithful even when the storm is raging, even when people come against you, even when people talk about you? Will you remain faithful? And watch this. Remember to not doubt in the dark what God told you in the light. See, greatness will only be accomplished through the valley of trials, tests, and tribulations. We celebrated Sister Jefferson and, and her being appointed to this position. But, but man, it, it, all of the sacrifices that the Jeffersons made, the, the hours that they spent on the road, the late nights that they spent driving and working, in prisons and, and, and working with men and working with women and, and coming home for no pay. I mean, they did that for years before she got to where she is right now. And that's the problem. Most of us, we, we want to start on the top instead of recognizing that there's a path to the top. And the path to the top of the mountain typically will take you through the valley. Christ said, come, but he looked at the storms 
instead of looking at Jesus. My, my brothers and sisters, listen, don't, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Challenges to your faith are going to come. The question is, will you continue to obey or will you give up? Now, I'll give you an example. So we had a person here uh, on staff, former staff member, um, keyword there, former. And, uh, and, and I, 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 I made the mistake. Many times I was trying to build consensus when I should have been leading. And I, because I, I, I was trying not to be a dictatorial dictator, you know, I didn't, you know, because folks say stuff about you and, it, you know, it, it can bother, you know, you, you know, you, you're arrogant, you think you know everything, whatnot. And so, and so one of these former staff members, she said to me, she said, Pastor, see, the problem is you think you always right. I said, wow, okay. And I kind of let that pass, Brother Thomas. I ain't, I ain't say much, you know. And then she kind of alluded to it another time, you know, when, when she and I didn't agree. And, and then she said it one more time, which was the last time she said it. She said, see, the problem is you think you're always right, Pastor. And I said, no. I said, I don't think I'm always right, but I'm always in charge. And being in charge gives me the prerogative to make the final decision and to be right or wrong. Right? Because at the end of the day, this is what I reminded her of. At the end of the day, Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church, pastored by D.Z. Cofield. You mess up, you leave. They don't say nothing about you. And you know, my man, that pastor over there at that church be like, I don't know nothing about it. I mean, I had folk walk up to me, confront me about something that happened at the church with another staff member, but I knew nothing about it. They just swore I knew it. I orchestrated it. I led it. But what I was challenged to do is to look at myself and to see where have you messed up? Because if you don't expect it and you don't inspect what you expect and you don't hold accountability, you don't hold people accountable and you don't recognize that, then there's going to be a problem. And you can't blame other people for what you don't expect and what you don't inspect. Look at Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Isaiah 43, beginning at verse 1. Let's read it together. But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Now, I want you to notice something. God does not give an exemption. God gives his presence. Look at what he says. You're going to have to pass through some waters. You're going to have to walk through some fire. But know that the water will not overwhelm you and the fire will not consume you because I am with you. 
It's not can we trust God in the absence of fire. It's can you trust him while you're in the fire. It's not can you trust God in the absence of water. Can you trust him when the water's rising? Here's the final thing. If you're going to do what you've never done before. Number four, you must call on the Lord when you need help. It's real simple. It's right here in the text. The Bible says, when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Underline that phrase, why did you doubt? Watch, watch what Jesus does. Jesus told them to get in the boat and go to the other side. Jesus told Peter to come. So the question that Jesus asked him is, why would you doubt what I told you to do? Watch this. When I'm telling you to come to me on the same water I'm standing on. Obviously, Peter, the water knows who I am. Because I'm standing on the water. If I tell you to walk on what I'm standing on, then why would you doubt? When I'm standing on what I told you to walk on. Here's a lesson Peter T learns. He couldn't depend on his friends because they were still in the boat. He couldn't depend on himself. I don't know how good a swimmer he was, but he wasn't good enough to swim in that water. Right? Peter couldn't depend on his friends. He couldn't depend on himself. The only thing he could do was depend upon God. And I got to tell you, man, I've, I've come to a place in my life. I, I'm not talking about cute, colloquial, cliche prayers. I'm talking about crying, snotting. I'm talking about I, I didn't even say amen. I just stopped praying and then came back and picked back up the prayer right where I left off. I'm, I'm talking about when you're crying out to God in a way that you would hear old folk cry out to God and you didn't know why they were crying the way they were crying. But, but now you understand and you crying out to God, if I ever needed you before, God, I need you now. I, I'm not playing with this thing. God, I need you to show up. If you don't show up, God, I'm not going to make it. I need you to make a way. I need you to show me. I need you to give me direction. Who will you call on when you can't depend on yourself? Who will you call on when you can't depend on other people? And there's somebody in here, God wants to teach you how to depend on him. You, you see, you got to trust God when you start walking on water. But you got to keep trusting him if you want to keep on walking on water. Look at Luke 17, beginning at verse 5. The apostle said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. The Lord answered, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and thrown into the sea and it would obey you. First Peter chapter one, verse five, and through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready 
to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So here's, here's, here's what I've decided for me. I've decided for me that I'm going to get out of God's way so God can use me in the way that he desires. Because I believe if God uses me in the way that he desires and I get out of his way and stop making excuses for other people and for myself, I believe God can do exceedingly and abundantly above all I can ask or think. I believe God will take our church to a next level. I believe God will take my family to a next level. I believe God will take me to the next level. Here's my question. What do you want God to do with you? I've gone back to the boat and wasted my time trying to convince boat people to walk on the water with me. And the Lord says, stop trying to convince other people to do what I told you to do. Even if you've got to walk alone, come to me and watch me do great things through you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Um, I pray, God, by your spirit that you would help those under the sound of my voice apply this message into their own lives. For somebody, it may be a marital relationship. For somebody, it's a family situation. For somebody, it's just a personal, personal journey. Um, maybe they've been walking on water. Maybe they've been the people in the boat. But either way, they've never gotten where you want them to be because they've taken their eyes off of you. Maybe it's somebody in a business. Maybe they started a business and they, and they started that business walking on water. But God, they've been walking on water and now that they have more to lose than they had when they started, now they're looking for the boat. And you're calling them to still walk by faith. Somebody in here right now, God, you have put a, a book or a business in their spirit. Somebody, you have given them a direction they need to go, but fear has held them back. God, help them to trust you and help them to recognize the only confirmation they need is to hear you say, come. And when you say, come, if we obey, you'll allow us to do what we've never done before. We thank you. We ask your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Those of you who can and will, please stand on your feet. We've heard a challenging word. God has spoken. And the church says amen. Someone here today needs to respond to what has been
preached. It's a new day. It's a new time. You've been putting it off, but right now is the time. You've not accepted Christ in the pardon of your sins. You know you need to do it, and you've been putting it off Sunday after Sunday. But now is the time. God spoke clearly today, and he's speaking to you now. And so we invite you, if you have not accepted Christ in the pardon of your sins, we invite you right now to come on. He's waiting on you. Make that decision today. Make that step today. We have men and women all around here that can help you to come to a saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't need to try to jump through any hoops, anything like that. That's not what it's about. It's a sincere acceptance of Jesus Christ in your heart. And the Bible says you will be saved. So come now as the choir sings. If you've not accepted Jesus Christ, we offer him to you right now. Come. There's nothing better than knowing Jesus. Knowing Jesus. He will pick you up. He will pick you up. visiting with us you know that you need to find a church home and you've been coming for a while and you're not quite sure well, we invite you to come and be a part of this good hope family uh, we're not perfect in any shape form or fashion but we invite you to come join us on the journey to be all that God wants us to be and I guarantee you we'll love you just as God in Christ loves us and we'll help you become what God desires in your life if you've been visiting know that you've been here in the city, new, you got to find a place, this is the place to be. If you've been out of church, and you remember what mama told you that you need to be in church, well, this is the place to be. Today is the time for you to make that decision, so we invite you to come, come now as the choir sings.
there another? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes. 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 Amen. 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 Is there another? pray for this lovely family. God, we come round to thank you for this family that has made a decision, Lord. We don't know what they need, Lord, but we know you do, and we pray right now in the name of Jesus that you meet their needs. Take care of them, Lord. You're the only one that can. Then, Lord, we pray that whatever they need, you'll use us to help them to get to where they need to be. Thank you for their hearts. Thank you that they made a decision for you. Now bless them right now in a mighty, mighty way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right, church, it's time for the offering. Yeah. All right, while you gather your things, we want to remind you there are several ways that you can give. We know that this time of the year that uh, you have some other commitments that you try to make, but the Lord has blessed you to make those commitments, so you need to bless him. Amen. Amen. And so we encourage you to continue giving and be consistent and obedient in your giving. There are several ways you can do it. You can text, you can use PushPay, or you can go to the online site and Givelify. But there are several ways you can do it. And any other way you want to do it, we can do it right here in the church sanctuary. When we pass the buckets, you can give by cash or by check. We try to create different ways that you can give so the Lord can see that you are honoring him with his gifts. Amen? Amen. All right. Uh, let us continue in giving. Brother Deacons. Thank you for these gifts, and we pray that they be used to glorify the kingdom and to give you honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank God for our senior pastor and that message, that message of conviction. 
Now, y'all clapping like y'all still trying to work it out. Because God is going to help you to work that out. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. A couple of things I want to remind you of. Pastor mentioned it earlier. Watch night service is this Tuesday at 10 o'clock. Come on and join us. You will be blessed with the preaching and the singing and praising the Lord all the way in to 2020. How many of you hard to believe that it's going to be 2020? Amen. Amen. The Lord has been good. You're here on the last Sunday of the year. And, and, and you're blessed to be here in your right mind. Yeah. The Lord is good. So join us Tuesday night. And uh, while you're doing that, make sure you can bring a friend with you and y'all bring it in together. Then whatever you do after that is what you do. Amen. <laughs> All right. I want to also encourage you, this time of the year is always a difficult time for people that have lost a loved one. And I'm going to encourage you to just give them a call. You know somebody that has lost a loved one, give them a call and just let them know that you're thinking about them. If you have a good memory of the person that was lost, share that memory with them. It'll bless them beyond what you can imagine. And they want to hear from you. I guarantee you they want to hear from you. A lot of times at funerals, everybody want to talk, but then they don't talk after that. So you want to make sure you touch them in a very real way. Amen? Amen. All right. Uh, just a couple of reminders. This Saturday is the... Uh, memorial service for Sister uh, Lynn Cheeks, and that will be at 10 o'clock. And then we have a service at 1 o'clock for Reverend Felton Tizano. Uh, Pastor Tizano pastored the Community Baptist Church on Mali for 37 years and has a big family. His, he had eight siblings. His wife, I think, has 14. And so... Um, Family is too big for the church to hold, let alone anybody else. But they are, that's the father of Sister Yvonne Stedman and uh, Olivia and Victoria's grandfather. And love, man, love Reverend Tizano. He's just a real down to earth guy. And, you know, just reminds me of the power of a simple faith and his love for people and his care for people. Um, just absolutely tremendous. So his homegoing celebration is going to be on Saturday at 1 o'clock here as well. So I'm going to ask all of those who can serve if you would come out and serve. Uh, the Cheeks Memorial probably won't be as long, um, but we want to at least make those who are coming comfortable who will be utilizing the church at 1 o'clock as we help that family. All right? All right. All right, uh, we want to thank our sister for that wonderful presentation. You blessed us in a mighty, mighty way. A couple of these preachers are going to use that. They'll just give you credit, amen? All right, okay. Choir, you showed this thing today, did they sing? Amen, amen. It's time for us to recognize our guests. So if you're visiting today with us for the very first time, would you please stand? If it's your first visit, please stand. If, while you're standing, remain standing. Amen. Amen. We're so glad that you came to fellowship with us on this day. We hope and we pray that you have been blessed by the singing, by the word, by the fellowship. And we invite you to come back again so that we can fellowship with you one more time. But because you're here today, 
we have a special reception for you. I'm going to ask that you gather your things and you can follow these young men and this young lady who are part of our guest relations ministry. And they're going to take you to the area where we have a reception for you and we have a special gift. So thank you for coming again. If you can follow them, they'll take you to that area and you'll be blessed with the gift and some more information. Amen. All right. I see a few. All right. Amen. Okay. All right. Okay. Continue to pray for our youth that was baptized today, Mr. Jordan. All right. Thank the Lord. One more in the fellowship. All right. Well, if everybody is good, did, did we get everything, Pastor? Everything good? If everybody's good, let's stand and receive the benediction. All right. Happy New Year, everybody. I'm going to tell you that again Tuesday night because y'all going to be here. Amen. <laughs> All right. God, we come now to thank you for this word that you've given us today. You're challenging us to have faith in you. You're challenging us to be obedient to your word, Lord. And I pray for everyone in the sound of my voice, Lord, that they receive that challenge and they walk in the obedience that you've called us to be. Now, Lord, I pray for everyone in the sound of my voice that you bless them this week when they rise up early and settle late. Bless them, Lord, when they go out and when they come in. Bless them in their labor and in their leisure until we come together again in the house of prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, hug somebody on your way out. and praise team, we're asking everyone to be here Tuesday. We're asking everyone to be here Tuesday. Thank you. Yes. We're asking everybody to be here. 